This podcast is made possible through donations from listeners like you and our partners at Goalie Ashwa Gummies. You can find them at goalie.com. Use promo code the Show Up That Foundation to get 10% off your order. Zendurance Active Wellness and Sports Nutrition. Their products are designed to maximize your health. At Zendurance, they strive to support and have a positive impact on the wellness of every hardworking dad. Use my code, the show up dad, and get 10% off your next purchase. For more info, go to www.zendurance.com. Tall Man Equipment, standing taller than the rest of the competition in Lyman Tools since 1952. Give them a follow at www.tallmanequipment.com. And last but not least, Adam Lane Smith. He is an attachment specialist who helps people to heal, connect, and build. Use my promo code SHOW, spelled S-H-O-W, for a 50% discount on his attachment boot camp course. Thank you. Welcome to the Show Up Dad podcast, where our mission is to improve the well-being of children by increasing the proportion of children growing up with involved, responsible, committed fathers. The Show Up Dad Foundation is a 5013C organization that encourages dads to become more than just a paycheck. Today's guest is Mike Rucker. He has a PhD. He is an author, a father, and a husband. He is an organizational psychologist, behavioral scientist, and author of the forthcoming book, The Fun Habit. He's been featured in the Wall Street Journal, Forbes, CIO.com, and elsewhere. He has earned five advanced degrees, including an MBA from the University of Southern California. Mike is a member of the American Psychological Association, International Positive Psychological or Psycho- Psychology Association, excuse me, and an accredited member of the American College of Sports Medicine. Welcome to our show, brother. Hey, thanks for having me, David. Absolutely. So when I was reading that, man, I didn't know that you're a member of American College of Sports Medicine. What what is that about? You know, yeah, so uh, my day job uh, is in uh, workplace wellness. So essentially, okay. we put uh, fitness centers in corporate campuses and hospitals. Uh, in your area, we're in Century City, and then we used to have a hospital facility uh, near Carlsbad. Um, mm-hmm. So I've just always liked fitness, and uh, you know, and now we're paying more attention to just you know fitness as a way to sort of you know, get big, right. It's more, you know, we know that it adds to longevity. We know it leads to cognitive resilience. And so, um, you know, I'd still keep my affiliation there. I haven't trained anybody for quite some time, but I still think fitness is an important way to keep people healthy. So I've kept the saw sharp. No, right on. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. yeah I, I agree with you hundred percent. Um, it's, it's crazy how we go from different, uh, thought processes as far as fitness goes, you know, like, like you, I was like, I wanted to be strong and big, you know, and then you get older and you're like, man, this is actually really good for my mental state of being, you know? Yeah, absolutely. I think as you age too, right? Like, I mean, it's very topical. So not to, uh, but you know, it's clear that you're, if your goals don't change, you start to do interesting things. I'm mm-hmm. referencing the whole thing with liver man or liver King, whatever his name is. Right. Like, yeah. Yeah. You know, I mean, you don't want to stay yoked in your fifties because it will do interesting things to your ligaments and tendons. And you, likely if you want to stay as strong as you were in your thirties, you're going to do some, some things that might not necessarily lead to your longevity. I mean, 
So <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, definitely starts yeah. enlarging your organs and stuff like that. <laughs> One of the big pushes out here that I've seen in Southern California is like everybody's into stem cells and they've been yeah. going a lot to Mexico right now. So I've heard some good things and, and you know, and, and stuff like that on that. Um, I don't know. I, I it doesn't interest me. <laughs> you yeah, know yeah. what I mean? Likewise, I think I uh, used to be a long distance runner and had a hip injury that took me out. Um, and uh, so, yeah, I dipped into what you're discussing. But to your point, the science seems pretty new. And so, yeah. you know, and especially with the hip, like if stem cells are going to work, they need to stay um, like in that area. And mm -hmm. the hip, you know, for hips, I've heard that's, uh, yeah, it's not very advantageous. I think some people I've talked to have had some success with knees, but mm -hmm. Anyways, I digress. We didn't come here to talk about sense. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, but uh, so anyhow, Mike, so you're married. How long have you been married? And you have two children, right? Yeah, we got married in SoCal uh, 2005. Uh, my daughter is 10 and my son is six. And so we moved. Um, we actually moved from SoCal to NorCal. My wife's in apparel. And so um, mm -hmm. she uh, she got a job with Levi's. So we raised the the kids early on in San Francisco. And then um, she got a job with Wrangler. So we're out here in North Carolina now. Oh, wow. Like Wrangler jeans and, and, and FR clothing and all that stuff or that's right. Yep. Wow. Heck yeah. That's pretty cool, man. That's uh <laughs> that's quite a, a drastic change from California to North Carolina. How do you, how are your family adjusting to that? Uh, I think, you know, early on it was tough. Um, mm -hmm. So I had, uh, I lost my brother in 2016 and that hip situation I was telling you, I found out about it about three or four months afterwards. Mm -hmm. Um, and then the move happened, uh, late 2017. So you having all these kind of, you know, challenging things come up and then essentially, you know, losing our support network of family and friends, um, even though we knew it was for the right reasons, because we really did it for the kids. You know, we were grinding it out in San Francisco, a lot of what you talk about on your podcast. And we've been pretty deliberate as parents. You know, I think we, I don't want to pat myself on the back. I've certainly done a lot of things wrong, but yeah. we, we have centered and tried to be somewhat selfless with regards to thinking uh, about the long game. And so moving to North Carolina, when that opportunity presented itself, did all the things that we wanted it to do, even though we did pay a price with rely, you know, I mean, you lose some psychological safety, right? When you don't know anybody that's around you. That's just the truth. Yeah. I think you shared that, that you, you're dealing with some of the same things, right? Yeah, definitely. It's, um, it has its own unique challenges. You move from New Mexico to Southern California, you know, we've been out here for over a year now and, um, as its unique challenges, you know, it's, uh, we went from country, you know, living in, in the middle of nowhere, you know, small town to bustling city, you know, where we're still on the outskirts and stuff like that. But, uh, it's a lot faster paced. Um, people are completely different. Um, New Mexico is a very machismo mentality. Um, very, uh, I should say warring, like people like to fight there, like seriously, like fist fight. Okay. So that was one of the things that was brought to my attention when my daughter, she's in high school right now. And uh, she was really tripped out. She came home one day and she was like, dad, 
I don't fit in. I'm like, what do you mean you don't fit in? I know it's like a school that's like five times bigger than your normal school or whatever. I was like, but other than that, what do you mean? And she's like, no one is talking about who got beat up. <laughs> no one is talking about any fights that happened this weekend. And I just got quiet and I was like, oh, wow. I was like, that's exactly the reason why we moved you from where you were. I was like, because that's not healthy behavior. Not at all. Yeah. Not if you think that's the norm. <laughs> yeah. yeah, exactly. <laughs> so we saw some good positive things like that. But at the same token, it's very fast paced. It is yeah. fast paced. We are. My daughter is uh, in cheer or song or whatever it's called. And, you know, we're all over the place with that. Um, this is her final year coming up, you know, so she's going to graduate this coming up year which is really awesome. And I'm glad that we gave her that opportunity to be able to just, just see different cultures. You know, it's, it's, it, it's a lot different. It's a lot. But I think it's important. I meant, you know, the nice thing, whether you actualize it or not, is having that purview that people are different because, yeah. you know, especially as kids are young, I meant, you know, I know you've talked about it before they model behavior. Right. And if so, you know, one, as parents, we get to guide who those models are. But two, if you have a wider breadth, at least you know there's choice. You're not like, mm -hmm. this is the, I mean, fighting's the only way, right? Using your example, like, no, that's not, you know, you're allowed to architect what you think is real. Um, and if you have a brighter, you know, a broader swath of examples, generally you can, you know, you have more to choose from. I mean, mm -hmm. the opposite is true for us, right? We didn't realize how, ingrained we were in that hustle culture and like so an example i often bring up is when we moved here i meant you know the south has its own problems right everything yeah. is going to have ups and downs but um people here they, there's something to be said about southern hospitality and so when, whenever there'd be a bottleneck you know we'd have our california mindset and just try and speed up to you yep. know <laughs> do everyone here just politely gets in the line and it it took us like 18 months to get used to that like are any of you in a hurry? And no one is, you know, no. it's, <laughs> and it's, uh, to be honest, I find it endearing. Like when I, after that initial anxiety kind of subsided, like, you know, because you're redlining, right. And that, you know, so there's a mismatch of energy that doesn't feel comfortable. No. But once I slow down, you know, some of the things that did make me anxious because I was able to be a little bit more mindful and a little bit more grateful. Like I found that helpful in my own, mm -hmm. you know, evolution of self as it were. No, for sure. Yeah. That, <laughs> that, that, that grinding in that bustle, man, that it's funny. Cause I lived here 20 some years ago. Right. And uh, I was in the military out here in San Diego area, North County. And At, uh, uh, in Miramar or Pendleton uh, down in Coronado. Okay. Yeah. Uh, nice. Base down there. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, so I was, I was stationed down there and um, it's kind of funny because uh, I vowed I'd never come back. I was like, I'm done with this place. you know. <laughs> and yeah, I wound up coming back, you know, <laughs> you yeah. know? and uh, I always told my wife, cause she always wanted to move out here. I was like, man, it's so fast out there and everything. And now she's like, man, I understand what you meant. She's like, these people drive fast. There's no such thing as a a fast slow lane or anything like that. It's like people are just like zipping around you if you're in the way, you know? So it, it, like you said, it has its own unique challenges and uh, we're enjoying it. And it's all part of the experience. That's the one thing I heard on a previous podcast from a guy named Nathan Padilla. He says, it's not our, it's not up to us to make our family, our wife, our, our children happy 
but it is up to us to create an environment where they can experience happiness. Absolutely. Yeah. That's what I'm trying to do. Just trying to make the memories. You know what I mean? Yeah. No. And I think novel experiences, you know, whether it was by a design or not are always helpful. Right. Mm -hmm. And I, one of the things I unpack in the book a little bit is just when we habituate behavior, you know, Mm -hmm. by proxy, it's not that exciting. Right. And so, you know, certainly that doesn't mean that you have to move to a new place, but if you're always kind of engaging in a routine activity that no one really finds fun, the way we know the brain stores those memories is kind of just lumps them together as, you know, one uninteresting fact. And it doesn't, Mm -hmm. you know, it doesn't create those things that we can relish and create bonds with. So Mm -hmm. I'm at, you know, I guess through serendipity, you know, it's neat, right? Because now you get to sort of explore a new territory. And then also, sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt, but I mean, and then ask interesting questions, right? Because now there's this contrast, like maybe you wouldn't have known that all, you know, everything in her purview is just fighting, right? And so the fact that you have a different lens too allows you to ask probing questions and kind of maybe get, you know, I'm sure that was a learning experience, right? Oh, yeah. For sure. Yeah, it was definitely a learning experience. I mean, it it not only opened my eyes, you know what I mean, but it got her to see that that's not okay behavior, that that's different. And you know what I mean? So like I said, I mean, it, it's, it's been eye opening. And it's just amazing to see that there's different choices, different experiences that she's being able to, to go into, you know, and, and see for herself, you know, that's part of becoming a healthy adult you know she's a young adult right now and she's getting to experience all these different things and and start making the choices you know yeah yeah instead of being limited because like you said there's back where we were there was a limited amount of choices and i see that that's where the kids started falling into getting in trouble because there's really nothing to do out there i mean i've had buddies that would come visit me and they'd be like my god dave they're literally, you can drive for a hundred miles in any direction and there is nothing out here. Whereas here in Southern California, you drive 10 minutes, five minutes, and you're in a different little, you know, subdivision or whatever it's called. You know what I mean? And you got a Starbucks on every corner or whatever, (laughs) you know what I mean? So there's so much more to do here. So many more opportunities, which entitles you to have more choices. You know what I mean? So I think it's, it's good. It's good for the brain. Yeah, absolutely. And choice architecture also means that, um, yeah, that you get to sort of develop your sense of self because you you know you you look at a, a set of different things and you decide who who you are and how you want to approach it. Right to your point, yes. if everything always seems like it's despair, then that's your worldview, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, it's I think in a broader context, you, you know, the lens of well, how I do my work because essentially you're building equity, right? Over time, if everything that you see, uh, you know, looks in a way that's unfortunate and that's the way you're going to start to see the world. Right. Yeah, no, no, for sure. And, and man, that's what you just described. There is exactly what we feel when we went back home, uh, you know what I mean? Back to New Mexico for Thanksgiving. And immediately, as soon as we got into that state, we felt this like heaviness, right? Like heavy. And we, you know, looked at the people and saw that they were they were joyless brother joyless like seriously like they're not happy with anything just you know we went to a couple of local places that we had missed you know to go eat and we're like oh we're gonna try this out you know and um we walked in there the people were like pissed off that they're gonna take our order i mean seriously (laughs) they're just angry and i'm like my gosh you know why are you so angry be happy you have a job you know what i mean (laughs) 
And uh, it was it was just what you talked about, that sense of despair in your worldview. You know what I mean? And I see that now. I see yeah. that, you know, going back there and stuff like that. And it's it's crazy. It's it's crazy that what you focus on starts becoming reality. Right? Yeah, no, I mean, constantly, you know, absolutely. The phenomena in psychology, we call it social contagion. And it's mm-hmm. been, you know, it's it's a, a well-studied phenomena that, you know, we start to sort of catch other people's vibe. Right. And so you uh-huh. can kind of you can rise above, but only to a certain degree, because that still takes work. Right. If everything yeah. around you um, is awful, then, you know, eventually you're going to you're going to stop trying. Right. And th- that's unfortunate. And I think too, like what you just described change is difficult. Right. So like you yeah. said, you and I both have commented on, you know, it took some work and now we feel a lot better about it. We've made some friends. COVID was interesting in the sense that a lot of people here in the South um, and I have no opinion about it, but you know, tended to find their tribe through church, which is fine, but we didn't, you know, immediately, find our church and so when covid happened and all the churches closed down communities kind of came out of their house because they didn't have anywhere else to go and you know so we made a good you know nice collection of of interesting folks from all sorts of walks of life because there were you know like as awful as covid and the pandemic were we were all feeling lonely right so it was neat since then we've been we've been fine but where i was going with that is when we go home now Mm -hmm. that that contrast of how far we've grown, even in a short amount of time, like how, you know, one, like being able to see our own biases from a yeah. distance and going, Oh, okay, well, I'm going to keep that because that worked, but wow, I don't like who I was there. And I never really noticed that because, yeah. you know, <laughs> um, that, that can be kind of heavy too. Right. Not that fun. Like you said, like mm-hmm. we lived here, you know, cause obviously <laughs> like you can find joy in most places, but yeah, uh, I think, you know, what's neat about, venturing somewhere else even if you go back to you know home quote unquote you you come back a changed person that's just part of the process you know yeah exactly and if you ain't changing you ain't growing you know that's right (laughs) you know we we got to develop we got to grow you know in all areas of life um one of the reasons why i asked you to come on mike is to talk about these two rules of having fun with your (laughs) kids right can you elaborate on that, brother? I, th- I thought it was pretty interesting and I just wanted to pick your brain about it. So, yeah, this is only in the context of fun, right? So mm-hmm. certainly there are moments as parents, um, probably the majority that, uh, you know, where we we potentially want to teach or we need to adult because there's something that needs to be course corrected. But mm-hmm. if we're truly trying to co-create um, something fun for our kid where we both want to enjoy it, then the two rules that I suggest are one, you let the child lead because oftentimes we want to prescribe what's fun for us and then just assume that they'll do it. And that's fine again, but in the context of transactional analysis, Mm -hmm. that's still a teaching moment, right? You're like, I think this is fun and I want to teach you why you should think it's fun too, right? So rule number one is really taking the child's lead. Like, what do you think is fun? But then the second is, it's not fun unless you both enjoy it, right? And so mm-hmm. an anecdote that I often bring up um, is that uh, I wanted to go to this thing called the Rise Festival. It's out in the desert in, in uh-huh. lots, uh, right outside of Las Vegas. And it's kind of this quasi-spiritual Burning Man thing. You know, it's, it's fun for kids still, but it was right after I lost my brother and I kind of wanted to just release all that negative energy. And yeah. so I, I went in with kind of the spiritual vibes, right? But 
my daughter loved this Dis- Disney movie called Tangled that has like a big lantern scene. And yeah. I-, I showed it to her and she was all fired up to go. Um, and so I was like, okay. And, you know, I assumed that this fun thing that we were going to co-create because I wanted to take her, she was going to play by my rules, but I never even, I didn't approach it with any empathy. I didn't ask her what, you know, she wanted, nor yeah. did I tell her the context of why I was going. And again, I'm the adult, right? Like (laughs) she's too young to figure out the complexities of this. And so we go out there and I'm like, you know, it's a beautiful thing. And I want her to like kind of bask in the honest. And again, that's under the context of like creating this fun thing to do, not because I wanted to teach her some lesson. Um, And I was just super annoyed because she's an introverted, fun loving person. So she ran, you know, everyone had their blankets down. She was running over everyone's blankets, like checking out people's lanterns. Yeah, you know, I, I just completely Being a got kid. out. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Having fun, right? Yeah. And and no one else was annoyed. It was only me, right? Mm-hmm. You know, because I wanted to, I needed to like control it somehow. And also it was kind of it it was a fun thing of just me, not we weren't co-creating this moment, right? It was me mm-hmm. wanting her to to kind of be subservient to what I thought was gonna be fun. Um and so I the whole thing was ruined for me. And mm-hmm. And it wasn't until retrospect that I realized, like, you know, if I had gone in there and said, hey, you know, we'll do this so that we're, we both enjoy it, even at uh-huh. a young age, kind of asked her what would be fun for both of us, that it, you know, that it would have been a much more enjoyable experience. And so mm-hmm. now what I do is kind of share the rules like, hey, so the next year I took my son to um, Hardly Strictly. It's a big free bluesgrass event in San Francisco. Uh-huh. And kind of said, Hey, you know, this is what we're going to do. And he said, that's cool, but I just want to be able to run around. And so mm. essentially created a space, you know, went with some friends that could tolerate a toddler. And um, because I played by his rules, but then also sort of, you know, went under the context of joining myself too. Mm. It was a lot more fun. And so those are two big examples, but I think, mm. you know, the main takeaways are, if you're not showing any sort of empathy and you're not co-creating this, so you're only single-minded about, Hey, you know, why aren't you doing it my way? That's when things kind of fall apart. And so many parents kind of fall victim to that. And that mm-hmm. this comes from research that I talk about in the book, but I went to a bunch of these play areas, you know, these experiential like science museums and children's museums of that. And like adults have forgotten how to play, right. They'll go into these yeah. places that are just amazingly creative and the kids will go in right away with a big old smile and start picking stuff up and, you know, doing interesting things. And the parents will sit in the corner, like just, you know, essentially paralyzed because until someone tells them what they can do, essentially gives them permission, they don't know what to do unless, you know, there's some sort of rules, you mm-hmm. know, given to them. And so being able to let your guard down and realize like, Hey, you know, sometimes, especially when it comes to quote unquote fun, kids can be the best teachers and sort of let them lead you, you know? Mm -hmm. And then if there are moments that where you do need to switch back into the adult or the teacher role, like, Hey, that's not appropriate, you know, or then that's fine, but then go back into that childlike state. Um, And the thing is, there's a whole host of of benefits when you can get in there, right? You Mm co-create amazing memories. Both of you guys are having fun instead of one you know, instead of being a zero sum game. And then you guys are both just happier, right? When we have these yeah. sort of these, these moments of what we call active leisure, um, mm-hmm. they just, you know, lead to better positive well being. So absolutely too. And it also shows too, that you can be, you can be humble. You 
you know, shows a, a sense of humility on your, your end, you know, um, my boys, I let them lead. We went to Funko pop in Hollywood and, uh, nice. you know, they're acting up out there in the line and stuff. And I felt myself as a lot of fathers probably do, you know, stay in line. Don't act like that. There's, there's homeless people, whatever, you know what I mean? Don't touch that, you know? And I started getting real stringent. And then I had to tell myself, you know what? They're kids. We're going to have fun. You start acting like them, you know what I mean? So I started, you know, having fun. You know, I arm wrestle and stuff like that. So I started arm wrestling my son right there on the deal and nice. just having fun. And, and I saw the difference that it made versus me being so strict and so rigid to where I'm setting all these boundaries to where they're not even going to have a fun experience. When you ask them afterwards, how did you like Funko Pop? They're going to be like, it was okay, you know, because <laughs> dad ruined it. You know what I mean? No, and, that's exactly right. And I think people get hung up. Like, again, the prescription isn't that you can't, you know, in times where, you know, this happens a lot with folks that really like sports, right? Like, mm -hmm. you know, I'm not saying that you can't go coach your kid. That's a different experience. What I'm saying yeah. is if you're being deliberate about trying to co-create fun for both of you, as mm -hmm. soon as you get in that mode, you know, a child will, depending on their, their disposition, will either be like, okay, we're not having fun right now. This is a lesson, which mm -hmm. is fine in context, right? But again, we're trying to orchestrate a little bit more fun. Mm -hmm. um, or they'll close down because, you know, especially if there's not that psychological safety, you know, for whatever reason, right? I know you explore a lot, you know, if, you, if the dad was never there and then all of a sudden like, hey, I want to be your best friend, there might be some resistance, right? Yeah. Um, or it could be the dad's just not very good at coaching, right? Whatever it is. But again, when you can get back to fun, you start to think in a nonlinear fashion, right? Mm -hmm. And like, oftentimes it's just that simple reframe. Like think about when you were a kid, you didn't, like if someone wasn't, fun to be around then you generally ditch them as a friend right yeah. so like if you're trying to create an experience you know where you're trying to develop that particular bond a joyful experience then just mm -hmm. realize like it, it takes two it can't be something that you prescribe but again just you know for the for the parents that have resistance that doesn't mean that you can't flip back and go hey you want to be a better football player this is a teaching moment we're not here to have fun Mm -hmm. you know, listen to me. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, definitely. <laughs> it's a, it's crazy. Cause I liken it to water, right? Everybody, you know, I, I have so many fathers I talk to and every, they all want to be strict and stringent and whatever, you know what I mean? Um, and I try to use the water, um, analogy where, you know, you gotta be like water. You gotta be able to flow. You're too rigid. I tell them, I was like, water isn't weak. You know, water can change the course of mountains, you know, just like the the uh, the Grand Canyon, you know, it can carve out stuff, you know what I mean? But it flows, it goes with the flow, you know what I mean? It uh, it can be strong at times, you know what I mean? It, it's got to have that, that flexibility, but also be strong, you know, and that's what we need to be as fathers, you know, we can't just always be the enforcer, you know, a lot of times when we leave the house to go to do work or whatever like that you know the mom's the nurturer she's the one that deals with everything or whatever you know and then when we get home the kids are acting up all day and guess what dad becomes the enforcer and that's what they start recognizing us as the guy who when i get in trouble is going to come in and paddle us or whatever you know yeah. dish out the discipline and we need to change that narrative we need to be able to be that guy who knows how to have fun to relate to them to go to their level Yep. You know, and that's amazing. And again, you know, it doesn't mean you have to be either or it's not, yeah. you know, 
because kids do need their fathers, right? And mm -hmm. I know, I'm sure you've explored it at length, you know, what can happen when we're not there. But at the same time, especially for folks that are like, yeah, you know what, I just wish life was a little bit more joyful. Like, mm -hmm. You've got folks right in, that can be, you know, if you're kind of struggling mm -hmm. in that area, they're the best teachers. They'll remind you of, you know, who you were. And sometimes, you know, when it's at its best, they'll unlock things that you push down because of what, you know, maybe life hardened you so much that you forgot how to have fun. Right. And so like, mm -hmm. you know, and again, it's not a bowling thing where like, well, if I'm like that, then I, you know, then I'll be a bad dad. Like, no, man, you know, have that transition ritual, you know, or again, like understand that you can flip back and forth. But if you're trying to have fun with your kids, co-creating it is such an important part that a lot of us miss, you know, again, that empathy and listening that you, you know, it sounds like, you know, well, as well. Mm -hmm. Yeah, definitely. And and it's crazy too. Cause like, like you said about the listening, they will get your attention. I, I did a post the other day about that. And um, it's absolutely true. They're going to get your attention one way or another, whether they'd be acting up in school or getting good grades, they want your attention. You know what I mean? So yeah. And if you don't give it to them, well, one, I meant now we could just get into the bullet list. Right. But mm -hmm. I mean, think of all the things that you're replacing, right? Like that, mm -hmm. that probably are potentially doing harm. Like, you know, the more you can get them off of social media and have them realize that they have autonomy and agency to create their own joy. So they're not just sitting there and, you know, comparing themselves to folks, you know, some sort of ideal that you have really little control over or potentially mm -hmm. having FOMO, like if they realize that they can enjoy themselves at home, then you create a much safer place, right? If you're just, you know, if you're always resistant to that, they're going to go look for joy other places. And it's not necessarily like a control thing, right? But it's, it's nice for them to know that there are those opportunities closer to them, you know, and that's what creates that, you know, stronger social bonds, because of course, you, you know, families go through tough times that creates bonds as well but you know yeah. it can't all be negative you know we call it broaden and build right i mean you want that broad swath so that they know that home is a safe place too you know mm -hmm. no definitely um one of my good friends uh miguel you know we were going through a tough time last year and uh a guy i look up to and stuff like that and i was telling him he's like man you can't you know he's like yeah you guys are dealing with a lot of stuff right now he's like especially with the move and everything He's up, but the kids can't grow up thinking that the house is cold or, or, you know, the environment that they're growing up is, is always tension. He's like, change it up, have a puppet show, do something fun in the house. So they know that house is safe. It's not a yeah. place where there's a lot of tension, you know? And uh, he was absolutely right. You know what I mean? And that's something that we have to remind ourselves as parents that we need to do, you know what I mean? Because home's supposed to be a place where it should be safe. You know what I mean? If there's a lot of tension at the home, you're not having fun at the home, you know, that's not a good thing. You know, they're going to find it elsewhere. Yep, absolutely. And, you know, I know you've talked a lot about modeling. I mean, it's just, mm -hmm. you know, it, there's two things, right? One, it, it helps, it helps you understand like, what is it that's going to bring joy? You, you learn more about yourself and you certainly create a space where they might share more, right? Mm -hmm. Because, you know, they're, you let your guard down when you trust somebody, you know, through that, I mean, through laughing and like, you know, you just, you feel safer and you, you build better rapport. Um, and then the other is you realize that, you know, yes, bad moments happen, but so do good ones. Right. So that even if you, you know, are in an interesting situation where, 
you know, an unfortunate event has happened, even if, you know, it's uh, two partners deciding that, you know, ultimately that union isn't going to work, knowing that good things happen in conjunction with bad things are so important when it comes to resilience. I mean, we know that's where the glue lies, right? To keep people mm -hmm. together so they don't fall apart. Mm, no, I like that. I like that a lot. Yeah, definitely. You got to have that resilience and that glue, like you said. Um, one of the things that I thought that was awesome when I was hearing you talk about was how as, as, as fathers, right? We want to have fun with our kids, right? And still have that autonomy to, to be able to correct them and stuff like that. You know, I think a lot of times with fathers, we don't know how to do that. So we automatically, or even just parents, you know what I mean? We fall back into wanting to be their friend. And I think that's very dangerous. Yeah. You know, when you want to become your child's friend, instead of reminding them, Hey, I'm your parent. I want to have fun with you. I love you. I want to, I want to engage with you. I want to, you know, connect with you, but at the same token, I have a responsibility to make you a better person as well. You know what I mean? And, and to raise you, you know what I mean? And I think that's where a lot of people get hung up on. They, get into that friend mode. How do you, how do you, what do you think about that? Yeah. So I'm going to give you more of an opinion. You know, a lot yeah. of the stuff that I talked about is well-researched. I think yeah. um, it's not anything that I've done deep study on, but I think the frame of friendship, it's pretty clear that that's a precarious place because it generally yeah. means um, when you see a parent fall into that mode. Um, yeah. And again, I'm using that as like a ling linguistical construct, right? Like, mm -hmm. But generally, when someone's trying to be the child's friend, it's because there's something that's gone so wrong, they're trying to pull them back. And they think that's the easiest way. And it's generally done through like weird gifting and doing things that kind you know, just um, abiding rather than directing, right? And so mm -hmm. I agree with you from kind of an anecdotal standpoint that when you see parents kind of feel like they have to get into that mode, it's generally because something's gone awry, right? And like, there's something lacking. They're either not at home enough or, you know, perhaps they did something wrong and they're trying to make amends. Um, but yeah, it's, you know, in that context, it, mm -hmm. there are certain things that just aren't happening, right? And so reminding that I'm still here to sort of be a teacher, be your protector and, you know, make sure that you don't turn into an asshole that, you know, that's my primary job. And so sometimes, you know, creating psychological safety, you know, figuring out what went wrong and course correcting that on a much deeper level than just trying, you know, I, I think if I was going to frame it in a discreet way, it would be that that friendship mode is, mm -hmm. is um, you know, pretty surface level. It's like, hey, I just want to get back on a good footing so that, you know, two of us don't, don't feel repelled by each other. But generally, if you do the deeper work, like, hey, let's, what happened wrong, you know, let's figure that out. And that's, you know, so you can get back to parenting, but that usually takes work. I think that's why you don't see a lot of parents do it. Right. Because, you know, it's yeah. time and effort um, where, you know, just buying stuff for your kid or, you know, Hey, let's go out and do this superficial stuff in the research that I had looked at. I, I think there's something wrong with, uh, you know, this idea of quality time it certainly see, seems like, you know, B minus dads that spend a lot of time with their kids tend to fare a little bit better than, you know, folks that think they're hitting grand slams, but are only around an hour out of the week, you know? Yeah. 
Yeah, definitely. The research shows that uh, a dad who's just there significantly increases the potential for the kids to be more successful in life, you know, whether it be not getting pregnant at a young age, to going to prison, yada, 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 you know. Um, so, yeah, it's that's just the dad being there. That's not yeah. him doing anything. That's not him uh, engaging, him being intentional, nothing like that. So I agree with you 100%. The stats don't lie. And uh, it is our job as fathers to be more than just that paycheck. You know? Yeah, absolutely. And that's not to say, you know, there's a certain degree of privilege in that. So, mm-hmm. you know, anyone listening that is a military dad, like, you know, there's sometimes, you know, the constraints of your life, you do the best you can, like certainly mm-hmm. not trying to villainize anyone or, you know, because I think ultimately if you come from that frame, I mean, I had, mm-hmm. you know, my own challenges, like if you, you know, it's constantly just trying to course correct into the best lane that you can you be in. Right. And yeah. like, so none there are going to be times where we're not going to get it right. That's just part of it. We pick ourselves back up and start walking forward again. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But I think, I think just to tie a, a bow in the friend thing, I mean, again, looking at that as a context, like if you feel that way, maybe try and unpack it. Cause I bet they're, you know, I know dads that are best friends with their kids and they're great dads and that's the right mode because they've got everything else. Right. And so, mm-hmm. you know, they're just, you know, the stars align and they have enough in common that that's an okay mode for certain times. But as a generality, when I see a parent in that mode, and I don't know if you agree, it's generally because they're like, there's something they're trying to course correct. And that might not necessarily, there's deeper work that needs to be done rather than just kind of surface level. Like, yeah, I'm, you know, let's go out and do what you want to do. I'm, you know, I'll buy my way to, (laughs) you know, your affection because it's fleeting, right? We know that. I mean, that I, I can get back on the rails of kind of understanding scientifically is that we, we just know that tangible things, you know, unless they're sort of, you know, devices that are used for hobbies like baseball bats and guitars that have longevity, you know, buying shit for kids isn't, isn't a very good path to happiness. No, no, definitely <laughs> not. And, and your kids, you know, they, they, they can see through it. Yeah. They know. They or know. they just want the next thing. I mean, I kind of... So, I mean, I'll throw stones in my glass house. The, mm-hmm. When we first moved out here, I still had to fly back to Cali four mm-hmm. weeks, uh, every four weeks. So I was gone, at, you know, one week out of every five. Mm-hmm. And I, I started buying little trinkets because I liked it. I would get home. My kids, you know, would rally around my suitcases, give me a big old hug. And were so excited to see me. And there was some genuine excitement about seeing me. And then, you know, they wanted the toy, which I was happy. You know, it, was, it wasn't yeah. a lot of money. I don't, I, I'm kind of embellishing the time frame. I think it was about six to eight months. They were starting to do Amazon research, bro. <laughs> you know? And like could care less about me coming home or just, you know, run yeah. straight, straight to the suitcase. So I learned that one the hard way, you know, like you just mm-hmm. need to be super careful because it, especially with young kids, like I meant, we are almost creating a recipe for their own disaster, right? You're, you know, you're making them, uh, what we call extrinsically motivated, you know, and there, I mean, that's devoid of love and anything. That's really just a sort of hedonic need for the next shiny thing. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, <laughs> definitely. And I used to do the same thing uh, at different parts of the, uh, the country I worked in, I'd bring home, like I went on a hurricane, right. And um, I was in Florida and I found these huge conch shells, you know what I mean? About the size of a football. Perfect. And I picked one up 
you know, in size comparison, you know, from big to smaller for my kids, three of them. Right. And I brought those home and I gave it to them. You know what I mean? And I made it an apparent to, to do that. Um, every time I went to a different area, like if I was an area that had like precious stones or whatever, you know, like quartz or whatever, I would pick up three for them and one for my wife. And I did little things like that, like mementos. Um, but as far as, uh, like buying them gifts and stuff like that, they could care less. You know what I mean? Like e even now, like say Christmas is coming up, right? I know a lot of fathers are going to, you know, go overboard or whatever to buy their kids that perfect gift and stuff like that. Well, guess what, dads? You're the perfect gift. Your presence is the present. Sometimes they just want you. I mean, and I could even just come out with an example of that. I'll get my child a gift or whatever. You know what I mean? And they're playing with the box. You know, I'll <laughs> spend all this money on this gift that I thought that they wanted, that I thought, oh, they're going to like this. And they're playing in the box, dude. Yeah, you know yeah. what I mean? So, yeah. you know, don't get caught up in, in, in just trying to make everything perfect. You know, live in that moment. You know, we have a saying, be where your feet are. Be where your Love feet it. are, man. Spend that time with your kids. You know, yeah. that's what they want. Yeah. yeah. And so many of us too, right, are trapped because we don't really understand that break from work, right? Like I think, yeah. you know, a big message in my book is just we have no transition rituals now, you know, modern work. Like if you think if you're kind of looking back at your week and you're like, Oh, well, no, I spent four hours with my kids, but you had your phone in your hand the whole time. Like, no, you didn't spend four hours with your kids. You know, you were there. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you know? <laughs> and I think too, you know, talking about phones and, you know, correct me if I'm wrong, but what I want, I'd like your opinion sure. on this. So the phones, the social media, right. That I think yeah. that has become a replacement for the way people used to numb themselves. You know, before it was like, you got off of work, you drank a beer, you numbed yourself, you kind of sedated, right. The sedated man. Okay. Um, women did the same thing with soap operas back in the day. Right. It, Poor social media, right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> so it, it's become a form of, of, uh, uh, of being able to just numb yourself and just veg yeah. out for a moment to sedate. Yep. No, absolutely. The, uh, yeah. we're in a state of discomfort. Um, uh -huh. you know, the more information is coming at us faster. We, without practice, you know, we feel uncomfortable if we're not sort of stimulated mm -hmm. and we can find that stimulation through active leisure, but it takes a little bit more energy and a little bit more deliberateness. And so, yeah, but you know, I meant you can easily tell by, you know, luckily because there's been enough studied about this both iphone and android will now let you look at how much time you wasted on your phone mm -hmm. i invite anybody listening to to check out do a wellness check and see how much time they're spending and then just you know even if it's more than two hours think about what would happen if they replaced that with you know time with friends or family mm, yeah definitely i think i need to do that too because <laughs> like it's funny because like my daughter, she'll tell me like, I'll be like, all right, get off your phone. That's enough on the device. And she'd be like, you have your device. <laughs> you know, I didn't like, oh, snap, you know, I got to lead by example. <laughs> you know yeah. what I mean? So then I'll put my phone away and then she has nothing to say. It's like, I my phone's away. You know what I mean? So definitely they, they watch you and. Yeah. You and that, that's that fair. Right. Like, and I don't, yeah. that's where I think, you know, people are, I'm sure they're, multiple right answers but we know this again i know you know it well if you're modeling a behavior and you start getting mad 
at your child for doing that same behavior, the dissonance that's created, uh, you know, and the vitriol, like uh, you need to take ownership of that because essentially, you know, and so, because what will get thrown in my face is like, oh, well, I drink and I don't want my kids to drink. Like, well, we could unpack that too. <laughs> you yeah. Know, if you want to. You know? Exactly. A hundred percent. You know, the science is science, you know, monkey see monkey do. There's a reason for that cliche, you know? And so, um, you know, if you want, there was a, you know, it's funny kind of meta, right. To talk about social media when we're villainizing it. But I thought there was an interesting uh, image that I saw where it's like, this mom asking another mom who's sitting on a bench reading with her child, like, it's so cool. Your child's reading. I don't know, you know, how to do it. Cause, and she had a phone in her hand, right. It's like, mm -hmm. if you want your child to start doing something, sh show them how, <laughs> you know, mm -hmm. like start modeling that behavior and sort of like magic, it will happen. You know, there's, there's like, if you want to geek out on it, there are uh, psychology videos online, you know, of they're mainly from the sixties and seventies, but it's just amazing to watch kids, pick up on behavior especially six and under like all they've got to do is you know it's two adults are yelling all of a sudden the kids are yelling you know mm -hmm. it's like and that works up and down you know it works for good and bad so being mindful of that i mean it just goes back to what you were saying about mm -hmm. you know making sure you're creating experiences within that environment that are lifting your kids up and if you see you know all of us are going to have bad occurrences that kind of pull mm -hmm. folks down but if you can be mindful and bias your time and their, your events and what you do in a way that's helpful then you're just going to be you know you're lifting people up i liked your analogy too about you know we are either growing or dying that's mm -hmm. you know and it simplifies things but there's some truth in it yeah absolutely and oh, man mike the things that i deal with you know and other fathers out there too is just setting apart that time you know what i mean like we all have our bad days right yeah. and a lot of times i want my kids to see how i respond with something negative yeah. so they because like you said you know they watch you so i want them to see how i deal with certain things that way they have an idea of how to deal with certain things you know so i try to not deal with things in anger and stuff like that right because i don't yeah. want to mimic that i don't want them to to grow up you know acting out like that too right yeah. um but at the same token there's there's certain times too that as fathers we need to kind of like step away and be aware right that's where that awareness comes in and know that you're not doing okay you know and then communicate that with your kids or communicate that with uh your your spouse and be like hey man i need to go for a walk i need to do something i am not okay right now and i, I don't want my kids to see me like this you know yeah no that's um you're spot on i think you know, not to show you grace like clearly we've talked about you know things that you can do but mm -hmm. you i mean you need to feel psychologically safe too and when you're not your best self mm -hmm. um you know luckily you're you know hopefully you're in the type of partnership where you can get that grace and space mm -hmm. um but take the time that you need to, right? Like, mm -hmm. so you're spot on. I mean, I think, you know, you want your kids to know that you're human because if they feel unbreakable when they inevitably break, you know, it's going to just be that much worse. Yeah, absolutely. And just to give an example of that is my daughter, um, she would get so wound up on perfection, right? Because like during her early age, I, I grew up in a perfection home. 
So during her early age, being that she was my first daughter, that's how I kind of raised her in her sure. earlier life. So she thought she had to always be perfect and she would always voice that out because what's in your heart is going to come out of your mouth. Yeah, that's a, that's that's a truth. Okay. Sure. So she kept speaking out, well, I can't be perfect like you. I can't be perfect like you. And that really struck me down. You know what I mean? And I had to stop and ask her one day and be like, man, what do you mean? Perfect. I'm not perfect. Daddy struggles with things all the time. And then I started seeing, well, I deal with it while she can't see, you know? And so she, in her eyes, she thinks I'm perfect. So I started dealing with stuff to where she could see me dealing with stuff, you know, whether it be, you know, for me, I'm, 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 spiritual so i read my bible a lot so i saw and i would explain to her daddy's dealing some stuff and i need to find answers so i'd go to my bible or, or spend some time alone or whatever in prayer whatever whatever it is i do you know what i mean to, sure. to get my center right to get my frequency back to where it needs to be right and she started doing that too she started seeing that versus thinking that daddy was perfect and she's stressing herself out because she's got to get perfect grades she's got to be perfect in in her her dance routine and all this different stuff because Kids nowadays, I think that's what they think because parents haven't shown them how to handle problems, life's problems. So they think they got to be perfect and they just wind up like this, this wound up watch that just pops or wound up spring that just pops, you know, and it, it's sad to see. It is. It's sad to see, you know, they need to see our vulnerability is where I'm getting at with that. Yeah, you know? No, absolutely. And know that things will be okay. That bad times will happen, but that, you know, it goes back to what we were saying, like, this is going to happen. Suggesting that won't is not why you and I are here, right? Like mm -hmm. we're just suggesting that you can be kind of the strength and the uplifting force, show mm -hmm. your, show your vulnerability and then also figure out, Hey, things are going to be all right. And this is why, you know, and you, I, you know, whatever that connection is, you know, for some people, it's spirituality like yourself. So, you know, and again, you're not flawed for being a teacher, right? So mm -hmm. there you go. Like, that's perfect. You know, for some people, that connection is going to be nature. For some people, you know, the coaching dad, like I said, that connection is going to be sport, right? And mm -hmm. so now we're playing outside of the bounds of, of, you know, quote, unquote, fun, but like, those are the, the, the connections that get made. Like things are going to be okay. Where I see the shift being helpful is, um, you know, certainly you want to coach towards an outcome because you, mm -hmm. you know, you want to be directional, but making the outcome, like the absolute focus, that's mm -hmm. where things tend to start to fall apart. Like, Hey, it's okay. You know, like w w you just get up again and like, let's try and figure out in this process, where can we make things, you know, as enjoyable as possible? Cause if it's always not fun, then you know nobody wants to do it right yeah exactly you know, go back to your new mexico example like i'm just here because i have to be and i'm gonna make sure everyone leaves here with a little bit more you know? <laughs> exactly exactly no and you definitely gotta have fun man it's 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 imperative you know and i, and I love that's why i invited you on mike because i love what you're doing oh, i love the so fact that you're using joy you know what i mean to to really to really reach your kids. You know what I mean? In a sense, you're finding yourself as well. You yeah, know, exactly. Um, life beats us down. It does. If you let it, you know, and we got to come to a place where we can actually find our true selves. Yeah. And like I said, sometimes it's locked up, right? Like, you know, there, you know, again, you need to be a parent and an adult, mm -hmm. but there's some reciprocity in these relationships. And, you know, if they're, 
if you kind of come from the vantage point that it's a one-way street, like that becomes problematic. You're not going to mm -hmm. create a bond, right? I mean, you know, I mean, just think about the definition of that word, right? So, mm -hmm. you know, and eventually that one-way street is going to, you know, push them away, you know, at some point if, if you don't figure fix it. Yeah, definitely. That one-way street does not work. Take it from me. <laughs> <laughs> you know, um, all that rigidity, all that, uh, you know, just discipline, discipline, discipline. I, I get it. You know, discipline is good and uh, discipline works in certain areas. You know what I mean? But man, rigidity doesn't work. You're just going to break down those those chances that you have to make that connection with your kids. You know, I like that you said um, empathy empathy is huge even with our relationships with our wife you know just being yeah. able to relate and put yourself in their shoes you know yeah sometimes i mean as goofy as it sounds just pretending to be them right like i find that because mm -hmm. i mean it's hard for us to get out of our own head right and so um you know it, it's it takes a little bit of practice but if you can just you know try and not be yourself you know it's, again as goofy as it sounds it just be like you know sometimes you can see you know, it's almost like looking in a mirror, like, Oh yeah, I wouldn't like it if I said that to myself either, you know, mm -hmm. and all this, you know, then you can show up with a little bit more grace, right? It's not necessarily like you got to change your vantage point, but you can realize where the message was off a little bit. Yeah. Mm. No, I like that, Mike. Uh, Mike, I wanted to ask you real quick uh, before we get out of it, time's coming close. Um, about your Baywatch, okay? So <laughs> you swept floors on the television show Baywatch, correct? Is did I did I? Read yeah, that right you got now? that right. I uh, <laughs> well, this is gonna date me, but um, I actually so I finished up a degree at Chapman University in Orange, uh -huh. California, and uh, so back then email was a thing, but people still weren't really using it. So I sat at the school um, office. I had just finished fi film school and set my resume off to like every single television production studio, um, you know, asking if there was a job and they were the one folks that called me back. So they, uh, at the time they were filming uh, right underneath LMU right there mm -hmm. in the marina. And yeah, so I was a, uh, I was a production assistant there. It was a fun year. <laughs> I bet. <laughs> <laughs> what did you learn from that experience? Like, you know, I, you, probably that uh, entertainment wasn't for me. I mean, people mm -hmm. in entertainment grind hard, you know, and yeah. I was just kind of the evolution. It's, it's not fair to blame this all on Baywatch because then I went on to work at Universal, but you know, those folks, they get show up at eight and leave at 8 PM, you know, show up at 8 AM, leave at 8 PM. And most of them are, you know, doing things on the weekends as well. I didn't, I saw a lot of people with superficial relationships, but not with partnerships. And I kind of figured out, hey, you know, if I want to be in a loving relationship, this I'm going to have to get myself out of entertainment. So, um, yeah, a little bit of my backstory is then I got lucky because that's when the dot com boom was. I've sort of, uh, you know, got my started to like technology after that. And um, mm -hmm. then I got out of entertainment. But I I love those times. I got to, you know, hobnob a little bit. And, you know, like you were saying, you know, life's a tapestry, right? Like you don't want to yeah. stay in one place. So I. I reminisce those times with a lot of affection, but uh, I wouldn't want to go back. Uh, you know, God bless people that are in entertainment, but it's a hard life. Oh yeah, for sure. And it's good to see that you experienced that and you made the decision. Hey, that ain't for me. Yeah. You know? <laughs> so life's all about those experiences, brother. Well, Mike, 
I wanted to leave here now, letting you have an opportunity. I know you got this book coming out. Can you share with our audience about it a little bit and where they can to reach you and, and get it and, and stuff like that? Yeah, Come thanks on. so much for the opportunity. So the book's called The Fun Habit. It's essentially what we talked a lot about on this episode, you know, mm -hmm. just really being deliberate about your time, especially if you find yourself sort of wondering why you're not happy. You know, I kind of unpack why that might be. And then, you know, there's some tools in there to, you know, start to index some more joyful opportunities in your life. Uh, it's available now for pre-order. It drops January 3rd. Um, people just want to kind of learn more about, you know, my research, uh, have, uh, my website's michaelrucker.com. Okay. Well, right on Mike. Thank you once again for coming on here and just sharing everything that you did. Um, I know it's going to have a tremendous amount of impact on our listeners, especially for all you show up dads out there who are listening and want to be better for your kids and your family. So thank you once again. And uh, I'll go ahead and put it down in the show notes when, you know, all the information there is that way they could reach out for you. Thank you so much. Thanks for having me. Absolutely, brother. Thank you.